gets inside, leans in, knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top. This the dagger. This kind of sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Unangston. Today, we have to talk about Game 4. I don't care about anything. That's going on in the NBA right now because we have a whole offseason to dedicate to that information. I just simply want to talk to you guys for the next 30 minutes or so about the NBA Finals. And that this series is going to be over come Monday most likely. I like both teams. I was rooting more for the underdog because I saw it have more history. It could be more historic. It can have more, I don't want to say legacy to it, but it could just, it could be a heartwarming story in a way, but now, uh, it's not going to be that way, in fact, the 108-95 loss they sustained yesterday, now forces them back to Denver, Colorado, where they're fighting like heck, just not to get eliminated, and not to lose out on their second championship, and free seasons. Because you got to remember 2020. Bubble. They couldn't get it done. They lost to LeBron and the Lakers. Now it could be Jamal Murray. And Nikhil Jokic in the Nuggets. And I need people to understand. A lot of things that are happening right now. The way the Nuggets are. Was not an accident. I'm going to explain to you guys. That in a bit. I'm going to go over game 4. We're going to talk game 5. But first, before we get into that, some quick housekeeping. Remember, you know I'm on social media. You know I'm there. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but really Twitter. Twitter.com slash Courts of Heat. I'm there. I'm always engaging. I'm always posting stuff on my personal account. And, of course, Courts of Heat. Remember, Joshua Unigs, 13, or Courtside Heat. I prefer you guys go to Courts of Heat. So you get interviews updates, game updates, uh, injury updates, lineup updates, articles, anything you think, personal pieces. It does not matter. I have it on Courtside Heat. Also, it's on CourtsaHeat.com. So do not miss that. Um, I don't know if you guys are listening to the last podcast episode or seen my Substack or. Just the article that I wrote on Courtsy.com, and that was the Heat and their biggest underdog story ever in NBA history, even in sports history. Because there's never been a time in sports history, or I'm just going to focus on the NBA, or in NBA history, where a team's battle from the regular season, but excluding that, so battling from the postseason, they're in, they got to go from the playing tournament, starting at the ninth, they got the eighth. They went straight into the postseason, lost one of their best players, had to go in with nine undrafted players. Seven of them were active and actively participating. 
And they kept, they went through the Bucks, went through the Knicks, went through the Celtics, but I was going to say through the Nuggets, but it's not looking like as 3-1. to one. And this is a dude that predicted it ending in 6 or 7, most likely 7. I always said, I always said to you guys, if the Heat win, it's going to be less than 5. If the Nuggets win, it's going to be by double digits, and they're going to do it forcefully, willfully, and they just don't give a crap how they get it done. And that's that's honest truth right there. And what we saw yesterday shows how perfectly orchestrated, how well built, how fluid this team just is, how it operates, how it proceeds in the action. It goes beyond the players. It goes to the coaching staff, to the front office. They've done a darn good job making this team who they are with a lot of loyal guys and a lot of guys with good, good patience. Well, I mean good, good patience. I mean good, good patience. So, I don't think Nikhil Jokic was the star of Game 4. The star of Game 4 was... You ready? Was Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon. Nikhil Jokic had a great night. 23-12-4-3-3. Now, yeah, he ran into foul trouble. With 9 minutes to go in the game. I'm going to cover that, but overall... He had an impactful night, but he didn't have to be that impactful. Because Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown were carrying that team on their back. They had a spark. And I just wanted to go I want to go for show. That when you give Aaron Gordon or any player the right coach in the right situation in the right role, good things are gonna happen. I find it extremely, extremely interesting that in all of his years with the Orlando Magic and the five-plus head coaches he went through, he's finally have found his role. All it took was just Michael Malone, this coaching staff, these players, to find the right role, but really Michael Malone and the coaching staff, to find the right role, to give that role role meaning and to give Aaron Gordon meaning. He's no longer just a dunker. No, no, no. In fact, he's much more dunker. He's a slasher. He's a cutter. He's the type of player that every that every team wants to have. He can rebound. He can pass. He can shoot. Like, the dude is the triple... He's just a triple threat. I, I've never... I'm not going to say that, but... I, of course, I've seen that, but... No one saw Aaron Gordon was going to evolve into this because we just saw he was just some flashy dunker. And don't lie to me or lie to yourself. They are, oh, no, I saw he was always this. And maybe that's true. Maybe it is. But I just want I, I just want to go through this. I'm pulling up the Aaron Gordon trade. This was back on March 25th, 2021. The Orlando Magic traded forward Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets on Thursday. It was announced. Gary Harris 
And then rookie RJ Hampton and Denver's protected 2025 first rounder went to the Magic. They gave up nothing. No disrespect to RJ and Gary, but if you look up RJ Hampton, I don't even know if he's playing in the league anymore. Yeah, so he still plays in the league, but he got traded from the Magic, played 26 games this season, and then he got traded over to the Pistons and played 21 games. Like, it is what it is. If we go over to Gary Harris, oh boy, <laughs> I, I is he still here? Yeah. But he's averaging eight. So these guys are combining for, what, 50 out of 15, 16? Eric Gordon's stats. I'm just looking this up real quick. 16. Six free and almost one steal. Off of 56% from the field, 35% from deep. And he's coming off. He just played 42 minutes, 27 points, 11 out of 15 from the field, 3-4 from deep, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal. And my guy is only 27. Gary Harris is 20 years old and he's not stiffing 17 points like he had. Back in 2017-18. That was a very different Gary Harris. To say the least. And RJ Hampton. Um, the only time he hit double digits in his career. Was his rookie season with the Magic. And I find it very interesting that. The Magic traded him to the Nuggets. And he went back to the Magic for two seasons. Then well one season. Then. 26 games through the 2022-23 season, he got traded to the Pistons to play 21 more games. So, the Orlando Magic got fleeced because they didn't know how to use him properly. And it's crazy that he's been here and was not really utilized. That tells you everything you need to know. But, what Aaron Gordon has done for this team is uncomprehensible if uncomprehensible if you're still living in those Orlando Magic times where he got where he was known as a dunk contest guy where he got robbed twice once by D Wade then um the Zach Levine showed up but that one was so good that was so good but anyways this team is in full effect, so how I want to break down everything. I want to go over the stats for both teams. Team stats, box score, stuff like that. And now get into the Denver Nuggets. And now get into the Miami Heat's downfall in the fourth quarter. So I was already talking to you guys about Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown being the heroes of this game. They definitely was a driving factor. Because they combined for 48 points. 48 points. 11 rebounds. 9, nine assists. 2 steals. 1 block. 
The very fish nights, by the way. Bruce Brown went 8-11, 3-5 from deep, 11-15 from the field for Gordon, going on with 3-4 from deep. They also were hitting their free throws. Both had two free from the line. What they did was very impressive. And this was a very physical game, by the way. Michael Porter Jr. And this goes, this extends to the brilliance of Michael Malone. This is just my opinion. But Michael Malone is a very smart man. And he understands how to have real-time adjustments. Michael Porter Jr. has not been very good this series. He still gives you 11 free, 11 points and some odd change in like rebounds and assists per game, but 4 of 10 is not going to cut it. I get that he went 3 of 4 from the line, but he just was not that guy. That's why we saw the brilliance of Michael Malone saying, you know what, Michael, sit on the bench. We got to keep this going because we can't let Miami come back. Because there was a portion of time in that game where Miami was having fire. They caught fire. They caught momentum. And then it got killed when Bruce Brown stepped up. That's why we saw Bruce Brown play 30 minutes. Michael Porter Jr. only playing 23. We saw Nikhil Jokic go 8 of 19 from the field, 3 of 7 from deep, 4 of 4 from the line, 23 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. That's pretty impressive. I get he had the foul trouble, but I'm not worried about that. And I'm going to explain it to two guys as it's not that hard of a concept to understand. Jamal Murray, 5 of 17. He really struggled, but he made up for it by dishing out 12 assists. Getting a couple of rebounds, one steal, 15 points. Look, he was still plus 22 from the night. He still generated 22 points. He was he was a backbone for this team. He had a very clutch shot as well. A very, very clutch shot. Jeff Green, um, it is what it is for him. It was just more for his defense and just keeping this game alive. Uh, Christian Brown, 15 minutes, only had one shot. One of two from the field. I'm sorry, one of two from the line. One point, one rebound, one steal, one block. Look, it is what it is. You're not leaning on him. The Miami Heat just don't have the firepower. They're not the better team. They're not even close. They're not even... Like, it would be a miracle if they were even 80% close. Like, they only have, like, a 20% chance of being close. Kyle Lowry is not the same player that he was in Toronto when he won that championship thanks to, to Kawhi Leonard. Kyle Lowry has extremely dipped off. In 33 minutes, he had 13 points, but that 13 points, that came in the first half. So, take that as you will. So, is that really impressive? No, because he went 3 of 7, 1 of 4 from deep, 6 of 6 from the field. It's really not that impressive. It just helps that he had 7 assists and 3 rebounds. But when you're looking for scoring opportunities and just trying to generate something, that's not helping. It also didn't help that Gabe Vincent went 1 of 6. 
and Max Struess went 0-4. The guys that stepped up was Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but you knew that they were. So that's not really a shock. Caleb Martin played better. Caleb Martin played better. 33 minutes, he went 5-12. 11-5-1. But, again, foul trouble. We Duncan Robinson had four fouls, but he had, but he also went five and seven, so he had a very efficient day. He did, but efficiency doesn't really count when you only shoot seven shots. Helps, helps when you go fifty percent from deep, but you only shot four deep balls. So you know, so you guys understand when lying down. It's just a different game. And what hurts is when Jimmy goes 9 of 17. Need to take more shots. He needed to be more of the guy. He had to. He played 45 minutes. He needs to take more shots. Respect him. Respect Bam, but he needs to take more shots. He needs to be outscoring Aaron Gordon or whoever's going to get that 27 to 30, right? That's just, that's just a given. Maybe I'm just being a little too critical, but this team was not good. Like, if you look at the side-by-side, if you look at the side-by-side, what we see here, 49% from the field, Denver. 45% Miami. Denver shot six more free-pointers than... The Heat. The Nuggets shot 50% from the from deep. Miami only shot 32%. Free throws. Um, only one difference. Rebounds are pretty close this time. 37-34. Miami edged them out. Steals. Turnovers was disgusting. They had seven more turnovers. Seven more turnovers than the Denver Nuggets. The Miami Heat just could not make good passes. And that's what led them to be down by 17. That's why Denver had their largest lead at 17. Miami's largest lead was free. That's something that he needed to correct, but I think it's a little too late. Points in the paint. One of the biggest things you can give Miami credit for is the fact that they were... I want to say this. They were more physical... They were more intense. Like, Kevin Love was taking a charge. Kevin Love was just bodying guys. Kevin Love was just trying to be a man. Same with Jimmy Buckets. Same with a lot of these guys. So they were trying. Bam was even trying to knock uh, knock guys down in the paint or in the post. Just trying to back them down. It's just really tough. And you had the physicality, you had the rebounds, like you're cleaning up areas. Shooting should have been better, but because you're dealing with the Nuggets. But what hurts? The third quarter never treats them right. First quarter, second quarter, first half is fine. I said privately, because I was watching with my dad, and I said, first half means nothing. It'll be close. It's the third quarter, just like the Phoenix Suns, that's going to be their Achilles heel. And then, even though we saw a nine-point difference, that killed him. That killed him. That absolutely killed him. Absolutely killed him. Like, 
that that just killed him. And what hurts, Denver led by 13 going to the fourth. The Heat came out for the final quarter with extreme desperation. And they went on a 7-0 run, 8-0 run, whatever it was. Joke, the Joker committed his fifth foul. Had to go to the bench with 9.24 left. And it was down to 86-81 when Jimmy Buckets converted a three-point play with 8.42 remaining. And people were like, great, the Nuggets are going to fall apart again. They're going to fall apart like they did in Game 2 in the fourth quarter. But they didn't fold. They didn't waver. They actually got stronger. And once Murray hit a three-pointer to stop the bleeding, to stop the 8-0 spurt, Jeff Green came in to make a huge corner free from, like, the heat bench for a 94-85 edge with 621 left. Then that's when Bruce Brown started to turn on the Jets. That's when the Joker checked out. With Demer up by 10. And then he came back in with the Nuggets up by 9. The, the Heat failed to take advantage of that opportunity. They failed. They needed that. They needed that. And sadly, they couldn't. And that's the problem. That's the problem. They needed that and they couldn't because they could not make a shot. I don't care how good your defense is. That side is going to fail when your offense can't produce. And when you cannot take advantage of Jokic, your biggest threat by far, heading into the series up until now, is out. You got him in a compromising situation. You cannot exploit that. That is failure to the highest degree. But give credit to Bruce Brown, Aaron Gore, and everyone else in that game who stopped the bleeding who kept attacking, who was just shooting lights out. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop him. It didn't matter what you did. Eric Gordon had 15 points in the f in the second quarter. He went 6-6 six six from the field. Understand that. Understand that. Um... Bruce Brown had double digits in the fourth quarter. It was either 10 or 11 points. I understand that. That, to me, is just so amazing. That is incredibly remarkable, to say the least. I just... Also, I want to point this out. Not only was Jokic in foul trouble, but he tweaked his right ankle when he landed on the back of Mark Struess's foot midway through the opening quarter. He was having it heated. There was no evident issues, but he kept warming it up, just trying to get treatment. And he played through it. I don't say it's going to cost him in game five. I don't think he's going to care because that's the final game. He's probably going to wrap it up on Monday. I don't see the Heat winning this series, but I don't want to count them out. But there's really good odds that Denver wins this series in five. I saw Miami was going to make it more challenging. I said they're going to make it like a seven-game series, a six-game series. Whether it was going to fall in their direction or not, who cared? I saw it was going to be a 
somewhat of a competitive series, but it hasn't been. Just hasn't. And fans are realizing that very quickly. And I do want to say one thing because I want I want to point this out for anyone that's not giving head coaches enough slack. Teams should be paying attention. Micah Malone is in his eighth season, the fourth longest active tenure in the NBA right now as head coach. It's taken him eight seasons, a lot of patience, a lot of development, and to kill Jokic and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon coming along, they finally assembled the perfect roster. They finally assembled their guys. They finally got to kill Jokic in his top of the prime. It ain't funny. You be patient. They've waited for this moment. They've actually been waiting, what, 30, no, 47 years to win a championship. Michael Malone has been part of that journey for eight. Now he has the chance to do it. They have the chance to finally become NBA champs. But just think about that. The reason why this team works, the reason why there's so much continuity and chemistry and fluidity, it, do, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. They're just bunched together. They have no hatred for each other. It's just all love. It's just, It just flows because they've been able to ride and die together, highs and lows together, figure out each other's strengths and weaknesses, have a system that is proficient. It just works. Like when you ask, okay, what's your system proficiency? Michael Malone cracked the code. Michael Malone's experience. Nikhil Jokic's experience. Jamal Murray's experience. AG's experience. Bruce Brown's experience. Don't the Nets feel silly giving up on him too quickly? But, this, this, this works. You took a former second rounder, and now he's a two-time MVP, probably should have been three-time MVP, Probably should have made history on that. He's about to win his first ever championship. He's probably going to be better than Dirk Nowinski. And yes, I said that. This is very historic. They took time. They took patience. The highs and lows, they took it all. They were patient. They were loyal. The front office, the ownership, they were all loyal to Michael Malone and his players. They were loyal to Jamal Murray when he suffered his season ending when he had career setbacks now it's paying dividends it's paying there's rewards this is a this is just rewarding this is satisfying and i actually feel joy for this organization it's 47 long years the sons are still waiting for theirs but it's fine i'm bitter but it's fine they have complete command they have complete control they're going into game five I'll be here Monday. I'll be here. I'm probably going to record again Saturday. No, I'll wait. I'll, I'll record Sunday night for Monday. But this is where, this is all coming down. It's coming down to game five. We're going back to Denver. We're going to have some Maha basketball, that's for sure. And what better way to wrap it up than in five at home in front of your fans. That's going to be sold out. It's going to be crazy to try to get those tickets now, but this is going to be really, really exciting. And if you guys don't know the stats already, if you don't know the odds, 
Teams that take a 3-1 to lead in the NBA Finals have won 35 out of 36 previous times. The Cavaliers with LeBron James, Kevin, pardon me, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving is the only trio slash team to complete, and it was against the Golden State Warriors back in 2016. Also, fun fact for you guys that did not know, the last team to win NBA Finals Series at home in front of their crowd was the Milwaukee Bucks back in 2021 against the Phoenix Suns when they won it in six. The Golden State Warriors' last finals appearance did not do it against the Celtics. They actually won it in Boston. I found that very interesting. I thought it was going to be a lot longer, so take that as you will. Just give him fun tidbits. Um... But this is pretty much all I have to say. It just, third quarters don't work for Miami. The Nuggets took care of business. They came into Miami. They won both games. That is just very, very interesting to me. That's just so dominant. They are the better team. Kudos to the Miami Heat. They weren't even supposed to be here. But they were the ultimate underdogs. It doesn't matter unless you win a championship. But I respect their heart. I respect their grind. But the mission was clear for the Denver Nuggets. They came to Miami. They got them two wins. And now they're heading back home with the chance to finally become NBA champions for the first time in organization history. That to me is amazing. That to me is amazing. Guys, with that being said, this is all I have. I'll be having a much longer podcast on Monday, this is where we're at. Remember, twitter.com slash courtsideheat. You know where to find me, courtsideheat.com. This is, this is where we go from here. This is where we go from here. Game four is probably going to be the closer. It's probably going to be the sealer. That's what I'm guessing it to be. That's what I'm predicting it to be. That's Heat's finals prediction. I wish that he could have won, but I'm proud the Nuggets are doing it. I can't wait. Peace out, everyone. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see y'all on the other side.